No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. Mem Tesh, like in Tov. Five lines down. In the Perekvov. Zurize Magdimim Lemitzvus. Those who are called Zurizim, people of enthusiasm, energy, alacrity, are early or are quick to do mitzvah. Are quick to do mitzvah. Now he explains. Kikemo she'etzorich pikchus godel v'ashkof ha'rabo li'inotzeh me'mokshe ha'yesa just like it is necessary to have great cunning and much circumspection in his thinking in order to escape from the snares of the Yeshaharan and to escape from the evil that should not control us means we need a great deal of thought and efforts in order to avoid that's the first part of this Sefer, the previous chapter. We saw the Bimasenu that the Ra should not mix into our deeds. So just like we need great effort and wisdom to avoid committing wrong things, so also he tells us we need great wisdom and effort to avoid being obstructed from doing good things. Cain Soria, Pikchus, God also, we need great cunning, we have and much thinking or circumspection, in order to seize mistress. It means, the Yesa is busy persuading us to accept wrong ideas, wrong attitudes, and do wrong things. And we must utilize our ability as a muster our ideas and our efforts in order toward that. But in the same measure, you should know that the Yesa is interested also in preventing us from doing good things, even though we will not commit any wrong act. The Yesa is successful if he can prevent us from doing good acts. For this gives Bohem and to acquire the Merit of them, it means sometimes a person can do a good thing, but it doesn't become part of his personality. But if he continues, he is zoyche. It becomes a permanent part of his life and a part of his personality. And the Yetzirah is fighting against both. First, he doesn't want us to do good things. And even if we do, he doesn't want us to hold on to them, to be zoyche in them, they should become a permanent part of our personality. It shouldn't go lost of us. It means even though you have good qualities as you worked on, and finally you gain Midas Tevis, you must know that the Yetzirah is busy trying to let you let go, lose, and abandon your good qualities. So it means you can never be completely at rest. You should always know that the Yetzirah is not going to stop. Either if you're in the first stages, it will try to bring people to do sins. And even if they were already 
oppose him when it comes to sins, he'll try to get them to refrain from doing good things. That's why that's right. person becomes a Balshuva, that's right. He won't do sins like he did before. But when it comes to doing good things, <coughs> like learning, making progress, improving his character, there he might be lazy to do it because the Yeshua said it's enough. You accomplish enough. You're no longer profaning the Shabbos, no longer eating traitors. It's enough. So he should know that it's the same battle with the Yetzirah. Even after he became an observant Jew, will he make progress in life? Because the progress in life, after all, that's the most important thing in life. Not enough that a person is sumerat. But he must accomplish something in his life. I say to And therefore the battle doesn't stop. Merely because he doesn't do sins anymore. It's just like the Yitzhara exerts efforts and he uses means and wiles in order to trap people in his snares to make them fall into the net of sin. So he also exerts himself to prevent people from doing mitzvahs. And even though they are doing them already, they acquired good mitzvahs and good practices, he tries his best to cause them to go lost. And that happens. That some people become from Jews and start doing good things, and after a while they let go. Doesn't mean to become a Rishoyim, but to let go of the high idealism and to sink down to a lower level. Or Yeshiva man, they learned Torah in the Yeshivas, but when they went out, some became materialistic and lost their interest in making progress in Torah. And so the Yeshiva is always busy trying to accomplish on any level that he can accomplish. In Yisrape, the Yisrael, the person will be weak and lazy, and he won't exert effort to pursue mitzvahs and to hold on to them, he'll surely will eventually remain empty of them because the Yetzirah is not going to be weak and lazy. Set that aside. Telling us something that we ordinarily would not know ourselves. We would think when a person becomes a loyal Jew, or he's brought up as a loyal Jew, and he is observant of almost everything that loyal Jews do. And the fact that he doesn't go ahead is because he doesn't want to exert himself anymore. He thinks it's enough. But now he's revealing to us it's not that simple. There's a force in the world, an invisible force, whose purpose is to test people and to make virtue always difficult. Now this force would like to get him to give up everything. But if the Yisrael would approach a Jew and say become a Shabbos profaner, he knows that the Yisrael would lose out. Because the Jew is already now established in an environment where it's difficult to even to think of being the Shabbos. So the Yisrael would lose credit with him. He was just ridiculed it. So therefore, the Yisrael doesn't bother anymore. All right, you're a good fellow, 
You have a servant Jew. It's enough. Pat yourself on the shoulder. Look outside in the street. See how many people don't observe the Torah. And you are an observer. You're fine. You're excellent. Don't need any more. And don't look at the fanatics who go to Shi'urim or people who try to make themselves better and learn how to daven better and learn Musa. No, not necessarily. So the Yisrael is the one that's doing this. Not just merely because he doesn't want to. There's a force that's preventing him. And he must be aware of this force. And he must be ready to fight back. Otherwise, it's certain that he's going to lose out. Unless, of course, the environment is such that pushes him even for better things. Sometimes, let's say it's in a yeshiva, or it's in a very firm neighborhood, where people are expected to do extreme things of service of Hashem. So the environment pushes him beyond what he himself would have done. But even then, he's not able to do what he is capable of doing because this man is no longer willing to fight the Yetzirah. We have to know that the Yetzirah must be opposed by our efforts. That's what he's telling us. Now, of course, most people don't believe that, and they think it's just a form of speech. And he's telling us this big Kiddush is not a marshal. It's an actual fact. This here, I can see, he tab- now he's explaining the subject of laziness. A man's nature is very heavy. It's like you have to lift up something. Now, to lift up a load, it means there's inertia. The load wants to remain where it is. Let's say a load of 50 pounds. It's 50 pounds inertia. Inertia means it wants to be where it is. And to lift it up, you have to fight against the inertia and pick it up. A person's nature is inertia. And in order to get him to move, he has to move himself against the nature of things. The nature is not to move. That's what he says. The nature of a person is very heavy. He offers a humorous gasp. The soil quality of the materialistic person is a heavy kind of material. Our bodies, after all, are offer, are chayma, material, matter, material. And it's heavy. And to move the body and to get it to go beyond certain limits is never a simple matter. That's why a person doesn't desire trouble and to do work, effort and work. Effort and work are against the nature of people. To get up in the morning requires effort, unless, of course, he's so interested in making the money or he's so afraid what your wife will tell him, our neighbors will say, He's afraid he won't be able to meet the bills. That's why he hurries to go to work. He needs something to take him out of bed, otherwise he wouldn't get out of bed. Anyone who wishes to gain merit and succeed in the service of Hashem, he must exert himself against the nature of his own personality. Even to move your mind to think. The mind prefers not to think. Just wander around in your mind. Like a behemoth stands and eats the grass. The behemoth doesn't have any special idea what to think about. And a person would like to be like that. That my mind alone, I want to be at rest. But to direct his mind, that's already a certain effort. Sometimes even more effort than getting his body to get up and do things. And therefore it's a battle against the inertia of his mind. But his he must exert himself 
Vizdores, you must exercise alacrity. Shi'im hu maniach asma be'ad kedusha. If he will leave himself over in the power of his heaviness, of his laziness, vada'i hu shalo yasneh. He certainly will not succeed. You won't by yourself automatically drift into success in the spiritual life. Automatically you'll drift downwards into the insensitive attitudes of the multitude, the herd that live without any effort of thinking at all. That's what's going to happen to people who give up the effort to improve themselves. Stay up to here. Now he quotes the town in the Sikhta of us. And he asks, you should be bold as a leopard and, or a panther, tall, kanesha, and light as an eagle, rots, kasri, swift as a deer, the giver, kari, and strong as a lion, to do the will of your Father in heaven. Now this mime he quoted above too. For just as you need this mima in order to avoid falling into doing wrong things, the same mima is necessary in order to gain the desire to go ahead and perform virtuous achievements. The chaymonu chachom is a chaymavrocha, enumerated with the things that need a special effort. Three things. Torah needs efforts, otherwise people won't succeed. To do good deeds, a special good deeds, needs efforts. These two things. It's a fossil. The fossil says, Be strong and very brave. In order to guard and to fulfill the entire Torah. So you see, not only you should be strong, you have to be very strong and brave. That's what it says. You need great strength. The one who wishes to force his nature to its opposite. What's the opposite? To go and do. Otherwise, he remains where he's standing. Makes no progress. That's his nature, not to move. And to make himself move and go ahead, it needs energy. Now, everybody has that energy, potentially. It's only up to his free will to motivate his energy. It doesn't mean he has to be a strong man. Everybody is capable of being strong enough, only has to muster his free will and his soho in order to understand the necessity of utilizing his energy. Set that aside. That's the middle of energy, enthusiasm, and alacrity to do things. Reiterated very much when he admonished about this thing. He wants to tell us how important Jesus is that initially is emphasized again and again. Now he wouldn't do it if not for the fact that it's so important. When he saw the evil of indolence, laziness, 
and a great loss that is caused by laziness. Vioma, he quotes, Me'at sheinos, a little bit of sleep, Ma'at tinumos, a little bit of naps, Me'at chibok yadayim lishko, a little bit, putting together your arms to lie down, to rest, means a little bit now, a little bit then, and your poverty will come like a visitor. It means poverty will come upon a man who is lazy in making a living for himself. And your want will come like a man with a shield, like an armed robber eventually. It means this. When a person has a business, and you come to his store, and there's a sign, we'll be back in 15 minutes, and you come again. It's still not there. You should know he's a shlemazel, he's not making a living. That's the first thing. We're talking about yashmias. In making a living, a person must exercise energy. But of course, there's a much more important living also to be made, that's a living for the neshama, and also it requires energy. And a lazy man fails in gashmias and he fails in ruchmias. the lazy man, all he does no evil by actually getting up and performing wicked deeds, but he brings evil upon himself by sitting and not doing. Also, someone who is lazy in his work, he is a brother to a destroyer. It means, if you have an employee and he does not exercise enough energy in doing his duty, so don't say, it's just one thing about him. No. It's the same as if he took an axe and he smashed your business. An employee that's lazy in his work is actually destroying your business. So therefore, a person who's lazy to do the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a brother to a sinner who gets up and does crimes. Ochu is a brother, the Baal Masters. Say that inside. Now, when he talks about laziness, it doesn't mean only laziness to learn. Laziness to do mitzvahs and laziness to acquire the midas that a person must labor in order to change his character. Laziness to gain the ideas that should fill the mind. The mind must be full of thousands of important Torah ideas. Ideas about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, ideas about the Amunah, ideas about what happens in the past, ideas how to regard the Am Yisrael, ideas of history, many things we have to know in our heads. And people are lazy to put into their heads the ideas and the ideals that Hashem wants. They're considered as if they're destroying their mashchisim, because that's their business in life. And that they don't fully complete what our program is expected to be, then I call it, brother said, you have destroyed something more valuable than destroying merchandise. Although he's not the destroyer who does harm with his hands directly, don't think that he's far away from him. It's his brother and he is an associate. 
So the man who is lazy to do what he's supposed to do is an associate of a criminal. The same is also people are lazy to take care, let's say, of dangerous things in their homes. If you have a rickety ladder and you're lazy to go out and get a different ladder, step ladder, that man is a destroyer. Is lazy, let's say, to put in smoke signals, smoke alarms. Is lazy. Well, what happens when the time comes in an emergency? And he, do you blame him? Certainly, you to blame him. Even though he didn't want to kill his children, but the children that were destroyed because of his laziness is the same as if he destroyed them. If he didn't take care of his children, Shaz Bedikas Hamas, and he let everybody have a candle. Or everybody had a candle and he didn't sit and supervise them he thought he was doing a mitzvah he was lazy he was neglect, negligent or watching his children and whatever happened subsequent and it did happen it's like he set fire to them a man whose grandchildren came to visit him he was lazy to run around quickly to close all the windows and it happened I can tell you three cases and the child fell out of the window Three cases. It's like he pushed him out of the window. So don't say he's innocent. And he's a tzaddik, he's a shiva, and he's mechabal, the gzeh, the decree of Hashem. No, he's not a tzaddik. He is the one who did it. Ohu, the man who is lazy, is a brother to the destroyer. Say up to here. The Omar owed, he said further, Levoyer roas se'osul beyot siyuri, to explain the evil of the lazy man in a picture of actual life, what happens every day, as follows. I pass by the field of a lazy man. And I pass by the vineyard of a person who is lacking seichel. Behold, the field was overgrown with brambles. Tosuponov Chagul in the face of the field and the vineyard were covered with weeds. Together Avonov Nehad also and its stone fence is broken down. So therefore animals crept in and also helped to destroy. So Shlemish said he stopped. He didn't pass by. It was an opportunity to learn something. He's walking with people. He said, look, he said, there's a Musa right here. That's an example of a person who neglects his neshama and neglects his character, neglects his mind, and lets it be overgrown with thorns and brambles. And I saw, I put my mind to this. Don't let it go by, this example. Put your mind to it. So you see, like I saw. And I took Musa. And what did he say? May Ad knows a little bit sleep. Ma'atzinum is a little bit slumber. Ma'atzinum a little bit putting your hands together to lie down comfortably. Your poverty will come like a visitor. And later, and your want, like an armed man, like a robber. So Shlemi HaMelech meant it in two levels. One level is a person who is negligent to take care of his property doesn't care for his vineyard and his field and is lazy and the end will be that he comes up so poor that he has to sell his field, he has to sell his vineyard and he talks about the person who neglects the vineyard of the mind 
the vineyard of the soul, and he doesn't cultivate it, and he lets it go overgo with wrong ideas from the street, like the pshutim, the hadjatim, think and say, and then this, he becomes a churban, his whole nature becomes ruined. Say that inside. Nine lines up from the bottom. Tafnun, nine lines up from the bottom. Before he quoted a posik from Mishlei, which described how Shlomo happened to pass by a field and a vineyard, and he saw how greatly neglected they had been, that they were overgrown with thorns and brambles. And he stopped, he said, and I put my mind to this matter. And I saw that when an owner of the property is slothful, wants to have much rest, and doesn't look to care for his property, in the course of time, instead of producing the crops and the fruits which you could have expected, he gets nothing but thorns and brambles. Now, Mr. Shalom says as follows, In addition to the plain meaning, which is actually true, which happens to the field of a person who is actually lazy, or anybody who is not industrious and doesn't tend to his business, it tends to go to ruin, and he remains a poor man. The Chachomim said a medrash noe, a handsome drush on this passage. It's not merely a drush, actually, it's what Shlomo Melech really intended. So the Shem quote, it was all overgrown with thorns. He seeks the meaning of a certain parsha, but he doesn't find. Because he was indolent. He wasn't energetic. So he learned things superficially, and he didn't derive the benefits that that parsha could have taught him. All he understood was the most superficial explanation. So that Pasha, that's the fruits that was supposed to grow from his mind, but because he neglected to cultivate his mind, so his mind became overgrown with errors, thorns and brambles. Instead of producing the fruits of the true knowledge which the mind is capable of producing. And brambles covered the surface of his vineyard because he did not labor in understanding the Torah. sits in judgment and he renders decisions and what's toil he declares to be tome. And what's tome he declares to be toil. 
and he breaks down the fences that were erected by the sages. So this man actually is breaking down the Torah because he never bothered himself to understand properly. Now that is a marshal for all the kinds of endeavors a person should do to cultivate his mind. His mind is given to him with the opportunity to cultivate the mind and bring forth all the fruits of Yeras Hashem, the fruits of Emunah, of good character, of understanding all the great truths of the Torah, which is a tremendous study. And this man, instead, everything he does superficially, his dominant is superficial, he doesn't think what it means, doesn't spend time studying anything deeply, and therefore his laziness causes his mind to be overgrown with the thorns of errors, and it doesn't produce the crops and the fruits of which he was capable. My answer shall say, what will be his punishment? Shlemeh said, He breaks down the walls, the fences, a snake will bite him. Because sometimes the snakes are hiding in the bottom of the walls. When the wall is thrown down, a snake comes forth. When a person, because of his errors, breaks down the walls that the Torah erected, then snakes come forth, means all kinds of evil results. Because people misunderstand because of their laziness. They never bother to understand, and from their misunderstanding come forth the snakes of evil results. Behind them, what does that mean? Kiroas or also in the Bogavasah. The evil of the lazy man doesn't come immediately. It comes little by little upon him. Little by little, the thorns grow in his field. That he shouldn't even know and feel what's happening to him. He's drawn from one wrong to another wrong. And he becomes worse and worse as a result of his lack of application. Until he found sunk into the worst kind of evil. And that's a very extreme thing to say. But he's telling us, because of a lack of understanding things, which he could have understood had he cultivated the mind, little by little he deteriorates, and he becomes eventually sunk into such a morass, a swamp of evil, that is not able to extricate himself. Say up to here. At first, he only lacked the endeavor, the trouble, the bother, which he should have put into it. But from that, it continues to go on. It's extended. It doesn't learn sufficiently. And because of a lack of learning, when it comes later to learn without having the necessary foundations that he could have arrived at by his own efforts, he lacked understanding of what he's going to learn later. Now, if his evil would come to an end only with this, it would be enough. Because when people don't understand the principles of Torah, the principles of good behavior, 
They have all kinds of difficulties in life. That's why people sometimes separate from their wives, break up their families. That's why sometimes the son rebels against his father or someone rebels against his love or against the Rosh Yeshiva and they go out and forsake the Yeshiva and that's a great ruination. But even that is only the beginning of what happens later. Now explains. His evil continues to increase. Because he wants anyhow to explain things without having the foundation that he should again. He wants to explain that Pelek. He wants to think that he understands even though I really didn't prepare an understanding by his efforts. But he persuades himself, I do understand. He will show his face in it. It means he's going to say things that are against the principles of the Torah. He will now begin saying things that are against the ikrim of the Torah. And he destroys the truth and he makes it the opposite. And he begins to transgress on the Takonis of the Hachamim. And they'll break down the fences. Now all this may seem exaggerated. Enemies of Torah. Some, and now they become enemies of Torah, they become enemies of the Frum community. And those who are not enemies of the Frum community become enemies of principles of the Torah. And they remain in the community where they are poisoned in the Jewish community. But they think they know, they never had proper instruction. And this is not only in halachas. There's instruction at Darachas, instruction how a married man should behave, instruction how to behave towards people in your There's a world of knowledge to know how to conduct themselves properly. When people don't learn that, then they're going to come into collision with all kinds of circumstances and they won't blame themselves. And then will be, he says, finally, they come into their very worst situations. Sometimes they'll become robbers, they, de- they take money from people, they become bankrupt, and they run away, and they leave a chil Hashem, and they're destroyed, they can never come back again and reinstate themselves, because they never learn how to behave properly according to the principles that they could have learned had they spent time studying the principles when the time was afforded to them. Say up to you. Now we understand that the Messiah Yeshorim is not speaking specifically of learning halachas and making mistakes in halachas, although this is true there too. He's talking about his subject, about the subject of looking to see if he's walking in the right direction in life, examining his deeds, and that needs also effort and instruction. And therefore we see in everyday life, the results of lack of instruction in Yerushalayim and Midas, Tevis, and Musa. Here people learned in the Mitzvah, sitting in the base of Medesh, and suddenly he moved off to Manhattan. Casey like, moved to Manhattan? I called him back, what happened to you? He said, don't bother me. Don't call me anymore. Another one went to Manhattan. He got lost forever. Another one moved to the Midwest and threw away his Yiddishkeit. Happens again and again. Unless people are trained in the ways of the Torah, they're trained in Musa, in Yerushalayim, it's something you have to study. You have to cultivate your mind with the right opinions, with Amunah. It takes time. 
in order to bring forth from this soil of a man's mind all the great fruits of which he's capable. But then later in life he'll enjoy the results of his efforts. But those who are lazy to do it are going to discover they made the most serious error in this world. I looked and I put my mind to this. I mean, he took advantage of this opportunity. It wasn't just that he happened to pass by a vineyard that was neglected. He said, I called his brother showing me an example of a neglected mind. When he saw that vineyard, it's a mind. And just like the mind should have produced the grapes of wisdom, this vineyard should have produced the most beautiful palace. Instead, it's overgrown with the errors, thorns of error. His Bernanti Adobaza, I looked well at this matter. How great was the wrong and the evil in this evil circumstance. It's like a poison. It goes into a man, and the poison spreads gradually. At first he thinks it's nothing. No, the poison enters him. It's bitten by a snake, let's say. He thinks it's nothing, but the poison begins to spread gradually. And the effects, however, are not recognized until he actually dies. He quotes, my aunt Shainus, a little bit of sleep now, a little bit of sleep now, a little bit of sleep tomorrow, not too nervous, always going to sleep, always taking a rest, always trying to dodge exertion. My aunt Chibukidamish, a little folding the arms together to lie down, your poverty will come like a traveler, traveler plods little by little on the road, and it seems it takes a long time before he comes up to you. But all of a sudden, your wants means your failure will be like a man who is armed who suddenly comes upon you. The end will come upon you suddenly as an armed robber and he'll ruin the person who neglected to make preparations beforehand. Say that. King of the media of Zrizis, that's alacrity, energy, and readiness to do things. That's one of the qualities which I call this boy who expects of a man. As if he were a soldier, he has to be ready to go ahead and accomplish. That's what Hashem expects of everybody. We see with our eyes many times a man's mind knows what his duty is. And he's convinced he knows what's necessary for him to save his soul. And he knows what is expected upon him as an obligation from his Creator who expects from him. And despite that, he lets it go. So we see sometimes people do know and still they let go of the opportunities to do what they have to do. Not because he lacks understanding in that obligation, and not because any other reason. Only because the heaviness of laziness overpowers him. 
Where he says, Chamo Azobayim, was very hot today. And doesn't want to go out in their hot weather. Or Hakarat is creator. Now, it doesn't mean he becomes the atheist. But if he forsakes what he should have done for his creator, which would mostly be to perfect his own soul, make him something out of himself. Because of laziness, the ceiling sinks low. And people neglect to hold up a beam that tends to bend over a little bit in the ceiling. And neglect it. So little by little, the beam sinks lower and lower. And because the hands lower lie low, the house is flooded. I mean, sometimes there's a leak in the roof. Instead of going up and mending the leak, he allows it to get bigger and bigger, and the house becomes flooded from the rains. Say after here. His motion means because of his laziness in holding up the sinking beams, or laziness in mending the leak in the roof, little by little his mind becomes sunken, and his mind becomes flooded with all kinds of empty ideas. Ulam, in Tishel Espios, but if you would ask the lazy man, why does he do that? Don't think he doesn't have any answers to reply to you. He'll quote to you many statements from the Gemara or from Pirkeolis, Amikvois Menaksuvim, and many Psukim will quote to you to justify his behavior. God time is been circle, and he'll give you arguments according to logic. The lazy man, you should know, is inspired by his laziness to think for all kinds of excuses. And he will remind himself of Psukim and Mamore Chazal, and he won't be lacking in answers. All of them teach him according to his mind, which is an error, that he should be easy with himself. According to his erroneous ideas, these Psukim and Mamorim teach him to be easy. And to let him remain in his rest, in his respite, respite, in his tranquility of laziness. But he doesn't see. He doesn't see that these arguments and these reasons don't come because of calm, common sense and common reasoning? No. But they flow out from the source of his laziness. He doesn't realize his laziness is speaking in him, not logic. And although he's saying and arguments, which seems to him logical, he doesn't realize that the Yetzirah of laziness is speaking in him, not his real solid 
reason that a person could use if he would think seriously. It's up to here. That his laziness is the source of all of his arguments. I shall be he so he go verasbo, because the laziness overcomes him. It inclines his mind to these arguments. And he shouldn't, that he shouldn't listen to the voice of the Chachamim and people of a proper mind. So his laziness makes him convinced that he is right, no matter how many sages will tell him. Now he brings a beautiful muscle. So Shem was crying out in his set. Chokhom also a lazy man is wiser in his own mind, Meshiva or Meshiva time, more than seven people to speak logic to him. Imagine it's a dormitory of Yeshiva. And the boy has to get up to down, but he's lazy lying in bed. So seven Ajdikim go upstairs to talk to him. Seven learned men are standing around his bed and they're speaking to him. Reasons why he should get up and go to Davin. He doesn't remember that arguments. He's able to answer every one of them. And he thinks he's wiser than seven wise men. And from the fountain of his laziness, there come forth such arguments. Brilliant ideas why he should not have to get up. If I have now, I won't be able to learn well later. I'll sleep longer. I'll be able to learn well today. Is learning more important than Davin? And though he has other arguments, and he thinks that he's winning all you. <coughs> he thinks he's overcoming the seven Ajdikim. So the lazy fellow lying in bed thinks he's wiser than seven learned men standing around his bed. He got slow, and the man not slow. I feel his laziness doesn't allow him even to have any regard, any feeling for the words of those who criticize him. He feels that's nothing what they're saying. He thinks they're all in error. They're all fools, he thinks. He himself is a wise man. That's what laziness does. And it's a very important lesson that people who don't want to come to learn or don't want to come to listen, these people have all the best arguments. This said, I have to give time for my family. All week I'm not home. So Sunday night I'll be with my family. Another one says, tomorrow I have to go to work. I have to relax more. All kinds of reasons. Everybody has reasons why he should make progress in life. And he thinks he's wiser than anybody else who talks to him and urge him. Set that aside. Before he spoke about the ability of the lazy man to invent excuses that he can think of ideas and to justify himself and to refute all the arguments that wise men tell him. Which means that the lazy man lives under the delusion that he's doing the right thing. <coughs> Being a tater, you should know, this is a great rule that has been tried and proven or by some desire that overcomes your good sense. And therefore you must examine every kula. Even though that kula, that leniency, might be right, 
and proper? Sometimes it is. But it's quite probable that it's one of the counsels of the Yetzirah and his trickery. Everyone should suspect that when he is giving himself license not to do his duty, or license to do a certain thing that might have seemed forbidden, and he finds in his mind an excuse why it's permissible to do it, he has to examine that excuse carefully. Because it's quite possible that it's just a stratagem, a trick of the Yetzirah to deceive him. That's why he has to search, examine it, with many investigations, not just superficially. He has to be very thorough in investigating to see if he actually does have a license to do what he thinks he is doing. If after all the examinations he still finds that his reasons are still righteous, then it's certain that it's a good thing. But otherwise, he has to suspect that it's not good and is only being deceived. It's after here. Right up. Now this same principle applies to all the hypochondriacs. The world is full of hypochondriacs that persuade themselves that they're ill and they don't work. And they have to examine themselves thoroughly. Of course, they don't examine themselves. And therefore, they're shirking their responsibilities and they ruin their lives and ruin the lives of other people too. When people fall into the career of being a shlemazel, not going to work, sometimes he loafs in the kolel an hour or so, loafs in the shtibel an hour or so, and he justifies himself. These people have to suspect that they are being deceived by the Yetzirah, and in most cases it's true. Some don't even get married, which means his life is a failure. And therefore, these people who deceive themselves or have nobody to blame except themselves, if they had come to learn what you're learning right now, that a person must always examine his motives and never trust himself, they might have discovered how wrong they were. To sum up, a man needs a great strength to strengthen himself and to exert himself with alacrity in order to do the mistress. When he casts off from him the heaviness of the laziness, which prevents him from doing his duty. It means, in order to be a decent person, you must exert yourself. You must have a certain energy, and you must make up your mind that you must do. All decent people have to do things. Have to get up in the morning, have to go to shul, have to go to daven, have to go to work. All kinds of obligations on people require effort. And people who are willing to exert themselves, they're the ones who accomplish in life. Not only they accomplish in panosa, they accomplish in health, and they accomplish also in oilam habo. Now you can see, 
שהמהלכים נשתבחו במידת הרזות. Angels were praised for this good quality. Now, of course, angels are angels. But we have to learn from them. Why were they praised? They're praised because the angels are swift. They do rapidly. Of course, that's their job, to do rapidly. But we are expected to learn from them. Shenem Abraham says, strong of power, they do the word of Hashem, and they listen to the voice of his words. It means that the Malachim carry out everything. And the person, although he's not a Malach, he should make it his principle to carry out whatever is necessary to do. The highest, the highest are a certain kind of Malachim. They run back and forth like lightning. Just like lightning shoots rapidly, Malachim do quick, things quickly. It's true a man is only a man. Hello, Malachim is not an angel. Therefore, it's impossible that he should reach the power of a Malach. But it's certain that whatever he can do to approach that degree of greatness, to emulate the Malach, he surely should do it. David HaMalach was happy and he thanked Hashem for his share in life. I hasten and I did not tarry, I did not delay to guard your commandments. So we see that David considered that a big schus, the fact that he hurried and didn't delay to do what was right. Say that. Now he explains different parts of the subject of Zvizis. The two parts to the subject of alacrity. Alacrity means quickness and readiness to do the thing that you have to do. The two parts. The first part is before you begin. I'll soon explain. And the other part is after you begin. Now I'll explain what he means. Before he begins... A man should not delay the mitzvah. When the time of the mitzvah arrives, or when it happens to come before him, opportunity, or if it enters his mind that there's something to do, he should hurry to swiftly perform his deeds, to take hold of it, to do it. Why is that? Because there's a great danger he might lose the opportunity. By postponing, many times, when you come around and you're ready to do it, you'll discover the opportunity is gone. And he will explain that it's the biggest loss in life. Worse than doing an Avera is a loss of not doing a mitzvah. Because an Avera you can do tshuva, even a person goes to Gehenna. He goes out of this world finally, goes to Gehenna, 
and he goes out again and goes to the next world and he is rewarded for his missus forever and ever. But he lost our mitzvah, our mitzvah forever and ever. So losing our mitzvah, an opportunity to do good things, is something that's the biggest loss that could be. And therefore by postponing and saying, I'll do it a little later, sometimes he finds that's too late. You shouldn't let the time increase and be added from one time to another, an hour to another, a day and another day. He postpones. The remarkable words. There's no peril in the world like this peril of postponing when there's a mitzvah to be done. If the mitzvah will go lost, that's the tragedy of life. Every moment that passes, there could come up some obstacle, some barrier to prevent them from doing a good thing. Now he's going to explain that the Yetzirah, whenever he sees an opportunity that something good comes up, the Yetzirah tries his best that opportunity should go lost. That's what we say in Hashkibin. The Sotan behind us, he pushes us to do sins. So remove the Sotan from behind us, he shouldn't push us. But the Sotan that's in front of us, that's even worse. He doesn't let us go to do things. He tries to prevent us. We pray both things. Hashem should save us from the Sultan that's pushing us to do others. And first we pray from the Sultan that stands in front of us and prevents us from going to do mitzvah. Say that inside. <laughs> On the truth of this matter, the Chachamim brought our attention of the danger of postponing that he might lose the mitzvah. When the matter came to crown Shlem as a king, they came to David and said that your other son, Adon Leo, is trying to make himself a king. And he said to David, but you promised that Shlem should be your king. Now David was an old man on his deathbed. But he rose up and immediately said, today they should crown Shlem Melech immediately, without any delay. He said to Benoyo, that was the man who carried out his decrees, You should bring him down to Gichon. By that river, they used to crown the kings. Take Shlemeh quickly down to Gichon and crown him there by the river. And Benoyo answered, he said, Cain, yes. He said, He answered the king, and he said, that's a remarkable thing. The king told him, go immediately and see that Shlom is crowned. And Yoyoda said, so Akkadish, but no Yoyoda said, Amen, so Hashem should agree. Why did he say that? Because he meant, from now, until we get to Gihon, who knows what could happen. And therefore he prayed, Hashem should help us, that from now until we get to Gihon, no barrier should arise. That's why he had to pray. So David said, go take him to Gihon immediately and crown him. And Benoyo said, Amen, can you hear Hashem? Let's hope that Hashem will agree with that. Omrodi says to him, Rabbi Pilchus, Rabbi Chonon, Asipere. Hello, Kwanam, it doesn't say already 
you'll have a son, and he'll be a man of peace. So Shlema is foretold that he's going to be the next king. So why did they worry that something might prevent his becoming crowned as a king if Hashem promised already? Many prosecutors of the Yisra will arise between now and Gihon. The Yisra will send many messengers to prosecute and stop it and postpone it and to make barriers and obstacles. Any good thing you should know, immediately many obstacles are being raised and to prevent it from being carried out. And therefore, postponing is a very great danger. And a man who understands how great would be the loss of the mitzvah doesn't want to postpone. He hurries as rapidly as possible. We're stopping here. Say that inside. Seven shulas are from the bottom. I'll take his hero. Al-Kain Before he mentions the peril of postponing to do a mitzvah or some good act, because there are going to arise barriers and obstacles in order to make it difficult. Any good thing that's contemplated, they're going to become out of nowhere, difficulties in order to make it hard to do the act. That's why they admonish. You should guard their masses. Now the masses is telling us is a marshal for all other mistress. You should guard their mistress. You should be careful with them. Because before you know it, they'll fly away from your hand. Mitzvah that comes to your hand, don't postpone it. Like hummus. If you wait, it becomes hummus. When you make dough, you can't waste any time, you have to bake it immediately. And the mitzvah, as soon as it comes to your hand, you should do it and not postpone. Otherwise, it's in danger of going lost. Say that little piece at the beginning. Okay. The Omru. A person should always be earlier for Dvamitzvah. Even before that time comes, he should be prepared to do it. Now it brings an extreme example. Because of one night that the older daughter was first when she did a shameful act with her father, that's the daughters of Lot, when they thought that the world was coming to an end and there wouldn't be any more men around. So they wanted to make their father drunk and have children from their father in order there should be some seed left in the world. So the older daughter went the first night with her father. She became pregnant and had a child from him. It was a very uncomplimentary act. But she meant with the good intentions. The younger daughter was the next night. So because the older daughter went one day earlier, so I called this Baruch who caused her to have a certain reward. She echot. In rewards of that one night, she that the older daughter went first before the younger daughter. Zoch saw 
She was rewarded, and she was four generations earlier than her sister in Malchus. It means this. Older daughter was the mother of Moab, and David Amela came from Moab. So from her came forth from David Amela on the mother's side. The younger daughter gave birth to Amen, and Amen was one of the queens of Shleim Amela, Noami Hamonis. And between David's birth, David was born, not David, but the uh, Ruth was four generations before Shleim Amela. So therefore, the older daughter, because she was one night earlier to what she considered the mitzvah, or it was a shameful act, but she meant well, so Hashem rewarded her that she came into the cloudy soil in the form of Ruth. And four generations later, her sister was Zeicha, as from Amen, uh, queen of Shlomo Malach was Namah Amenis. Be'omu, first up to here. People who have the quality of zrizis, of readiness, gevura, and enthusiasm, they always go first, the early to do a mitzvah. A man should run to do a mitzvah, even on Shabbos, when it's not proper to run, but for a mitzvah, you should run even on Shabbos. He will lead us. Now, almus means forever. But there's a play on words. The word almo, alma means a young woman. He will lead us with youthfulness. If we do things with youthfulness, not like an old person who plods slowly along, but like a young man, like a little girl who skips and runs. So that's how the tzaddikim skip and run to do mitzvahs. Then our Kodesh boy will lead them forever and ever. Like these young little girls who run to do things, our Kodesh boy who will lead the tzaddikim who behave that way forever and ever. And he quotes a passage. In the midst of young girls, tofefes, that are dancing by the drum. So that's an example, the enthusiasm of youth. That's what the tzaddikim show. Even old tzaddikim, when it comes to doing good things, they're full of enthusiasm, like young people say that. I He's explaining, it's not merely a description how people do things, but is a perfection of character. This readiness, this willingness to do things with enthusiasm and to do it without delay is a quality, a great quality of perfection of character. But he's telling us now that Zrizus is an important midah. First, it says, Torah mevia le Torah brings a person to the first letter, rung of the ladder, as he's climbing upward, 
That's Zahiris. And next, Zahiris comes to Zerizus. So you see, Zerizus already is a result of perfection that you gain in the previous degree in Zerizus, in Zahiris. And that also came from an earlier degree, which is learning Torah. So therefore, Zerizus is considered a perfection of character. Because a man's nature tries to prevent him to doing it now. And Mishim is Gaber, somebody overcomes the tendency of wanting to take it easy, wanted rest and inactivity. Mishim is Gaber, he overcomes that with his boy and he seizes hold of the mitzvah, call Mashiach as much as possible. He may lose his love or Yiskalabemis. And time to come, he will gain that quality in truth. It means he won't find it difficult. So at first, the Sadiqim practice Rizus even though their nature is against it. They force themselves to do things quickly with enthusiasm. And after a while, it becomes part of their nature. And with any, any difficulty at all, they're happy to do the things with enthusiasm and quickly. As a reward. In exchange for the effort that he first exerted himself to acquire that midah, the time when he was working on it. And that, however, is not only here. In all midas, when people work on them at first, and they find it difficult, after a while, helps those who come to purify to better themselves, and after a while, it becomes easy. Now, don't think they lose reward. This is a cloud that we saw, so long to explain. If by your own efforts, virtue becomes easy, it's not deducted later. You get full credit as if it was still difficult. But you cause it to be easy by your first effort. Say that inside. Till now, he discussed the aspect of Zerizus before doing things. That shouldn't be postponed. You should seize the opportunity. And now, he's taking up the subject of Zerizus and continuing to do good things. Because many times, people start out with enthusiasm, and after a while, the enthusiasm wears out, and they lose their interest. It happens again and again, like people who come into Torah at the beginning, they're full of fire, come into a basic message, like a Balshuva at first is full of respect, comes on time every morning, after a while she starts coming late, after a while he's sitting, sitting and talking in the basic nest, he feels at home already, and little by little, it wears off, the enthusiasm wears off. And that's part of the Zerizus, to maintain it, always. The first fire should always continue. That's not so easy. That's the next aspect. But the Zerizus, after you begin doing the thing, when a person takes hold of some mitzvah, he should hurry to carry it out. He shouldn't dawdle. He shouldn't tarry. He shouldn't wait. Even though he started the mitzvah, not enough to start it. He should stick with it and get out. And not to make it easy for himself. Not like someone. I mean, you might think if a person is hurry to do a mitzvah, it's a sign he wants to get rid of it, wants to get it over with. 
So you might think, that's, that's not such a good thing to hurry to do the mystery. He says, no. Not like somebody who's doing it in order to throw off her burden from him. No. Not that. It doesn't mean that Elohim, the reason he hurries and he holds on to it to carry it out because he's afraid he might not have the merit to finish. Who knows if he'll be able to finish. Not everybody lives. Every day a person has to think. Who knows what his time will come. He might not finish the mitzvah. Also, maybe something will come up to stop in the middle. So therefore the Sadiqim not only are in a hurry to begin doing the mitzvah, but in a hurry to see that it's fully fulfilled as soon as possible. Say that's it. So we're stopping. Four lines after the beginning of that paragraph. Achaz Lizus. Four lines at the beginning of the paragraph. Ahaz Jesus. While there here, Buddha has here. Well, there, and on this matter that he said above, that once you begin a mitzvah, you should be energetic in pursuing it until you complete it, and not to leave it over in the middle. Here, Buddha has here. Admonished very much. The Almighty said, If someone begins a mitzvah and doesn't finish it, he'll bury his wife and his children. Now that severe sentence that I say, you marry, the purpose of course, is finally your children should grow up, and should marry off your children, and have nachas from them. Suppose a man loses his wife in the middle, or his children, so he didn't carry out his purpose. Also, when a person starts a mitzvah, and it doesn't finish up the mitzvah, he didn't carry out the purpose. And therefore, they're urging us, once you already have the mitzvah in your hand, it's an opportunity that you cannot avoid, afford to lose. Now, if you didn't begin the mitzvah, it's a criticism. If you began and didn't complete it, it's a bigger criticism. But once the mitzvah is in your hand, then why didn't you go through and finish it? The mitzvah is called, it means the credit is given to the one who completes it. Beginning a mitzvah is a good thing, but the one who carries it through to the end, that's the one who gets credit, and the mitzvah is called on his name. Say that aside. Do you see a man who is energetic in his work? He will stand before kings, means he will be elevated, he will become recognized and given credit. He won't stand before unimportant people. It means a man who shows that he has the Yivura, the generosity of spirit, to go ahead and carry out good things, then our Kodesh Baruch will see to it that this man gets recognition. Attributed this praise to Shlomo himself. 
Al Shemiah b'Melechas being Abayas. He hastens the work of building the base Hamikdash. That was a very big task. But Shlomo Hamelach started it, and he finally completed it. For though this asable the it wasn't lazy to postpone it. And therefore, he's considered a man who I call this brother who gave credit, and it's called the Binyan Shel Shlomo. It's a big that Shlomo built. Also, they say on Meshav Abeno, on Rashi. What's the case of Meshav? He hastens in the works of Mishkin. Meshav Abeno began the work of the Mishkin, and he carried it through without postponing. And therefore, Meshav Abeno gets credit for the energy that he showed in the service of Hashem in making the Mishkin. Say that. So you'll find all the works of the Sadiqim are always done with swiftness. Avram is written, Avram hastened to the tent to saw it, because he saw Malachim visitors coming, so he hastened to make ready a hospitality for them. And he said to Sohemari, hasten. So we see that when he came to a good thing, Avram was energetic and swift. And he gave it to his servant boy. And the servant boy also hastened to make it. So the word hasten, it sounds so frequently in that story to illustrate that the Sadiqim and their household were trained when it came to a good thing that they did it swiftly. Except here. Rivka, in the case of Rivka, when she volunteers to draw water for the camels of Elias Ebed Avon, she hastened, and she poured out her pitcher into the watering trough, and she ran back and forth until she gave water to all the camels. So it's also an example of a tzaddik who did a mitzvah swiftly. The woman hurried, and she went, she ran, and she told to her husband, that the mother of Shimshon, when the Malach informed her that there's going to be a son, a Nazar, only they have to make preparations for him, so she hurried, admitted, and told her husband, and Lord, he should come to and listen to the instructions. All the deeds of Sadiqim are done with swiftness. They don't allow any interruption of time. They don't allow time to elapse before they begin the mitzvah. That's the first thing. And And once they begin, they don't allow any time to elapse before they complete the mitzvah. Say that. Now he explains that the exterior acts, the external acts of swiftness demonstrate the amount of devotion a person has to avoid this Hashem. But here you can see, a person whose soul flames with enthusiasm for the service of his Creator, he certainly won't be lazy in doing his commandments. But his movements will be like the movement of fire, which is rapid, quick. 
He won't rest. And he won't be quiet. Until he finished the thing and carried it out. So therefore, the external behavior demonstrates a man's internal attitude towards Hashem. And when a person has enthusiasm for Hashem, he is energetic to carry out his mistress without delay. No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use.